Our reading this morning is Psalm 11, and it's on page 452 in the Blue Pew Bible. Psalm 11. In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain, for behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. My name is Brett Sweet. I'm one of the pastors here at DCF Central where we exist to glorify God so the end is to give God all the glory through gospel-centered, which means all about Jesus, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done, gospel-centered worship, evangelism, discipleship, and community, and we are trying to reach central, south, and west Spokane with the gospel along with many other good churches. We are starting this week a about 10-week series through the book of Psalms. We're picking up from last summer. Um, Psalm 11, of course, is our text this week. I'll be preaching this week and next week, and then I'll be on study leave for several weeks, and you'll get to hear God's word from many others. So let's pray and ask God to help us. Lord, we're thankful for your goodness to us. We're thankful that we know you are for us and not against us, and we know that because you sent your dear, beloved Son, Jesus, to come and save us. And if you are so committed to send him for us, how could you not, in your love, give us all the other things we need? And we need you this morning. We need your spirit to come and do a real work. Help me to be helpful. Help me to speak clearly. Help these people whom you love to listen and go away with an encounter with you. Pray all this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Many people get married hoping that this new marriage will lead to a refuge, a new family that is a refuge. And yet many people complain about their in-laws. It can be hard to get along, but few of us have had the problems with our in-laws that King David has. King David's father-in-law is Saul, the king of Israel. He is the most powerful person in that nation at this point in time. And he wants David dead. I don't think my mother-in-law wants me dead. King Saul has an army chasing David through the rugged countryside. David seems to have no place to go. Recently, he has fled to the mountains, and that has been the counsel of others. And we come to that here. David seems, though, to have no place to go. If someone helps him, 
anybody, there's a chance that all-powerful King Saul will come and destroy them and kill them for helping his enemy. Few friends, no shelter, no safety, no refuge. So what would you do if you were David? Where would you go? Or maybe the better question is, where do you go? Where do you go? What is your refuge when things are hard, when you're stressed? How do you respond? Is your refuge something you consume? Maybe it's drugs or alcohol or ice cream or burgers or donuts. Guilty. Is your refuge some sort of escape? You want a vacation or you want video games or movies or novels or a vacation. Do those really satisfy? The three little pigs have taught us many things, but they've taught us that not all refuges are equal. Some of them don't stand. So many good things are good in this life, in their proper place, but there are better refuges than everything, and that refuge is the Lord God. So that's the one thing we're going away from, going away with this morning. It's this. Take refuge in the Lord. Take refuge in the Lord. Make Him your refuge. Make Him the place you go to. Make Him the one you trust. Now, many of you feel this this morning. You feel your need. You've come in and you realize this has been a hard week, a hard month, a hard decade, a hard life. And you need a refuge. Others of you, this is just a gentle reminder to prepare that there are times coming when you're going to need a refuge. Take refuge in the Lord. So Psalm 11 is written to help us there. We're going to look at two things. We're going to take refuge in the Lord in dark times. There's dark times, and those are the times to take refuge in the Lord. And then, on the flip side of the darkness, we're going to see what it means to take refuge in the Lord of light by looking at who the Lord is. He's the opposite of darkness. He's the Lord of light. So first, take refuge in the Lord in dark times. Some people live as if life is all puppies and rainbows. But the Bible is an honest book. And so it is a helpful book. And it tells us that life is often hard. Times are often hard and dark. We don't know where to go. But the Bible points us to the refuge in dark times, the Lord. So notice first that the, there is a refuge, that the Lord who is the refuge is a refuge in the darkness of bad counsel. When we receive bad counsel, that brings darkness. There is a refuge needed in the darkness of bad counsel, bad advice. Look at Psalm 11 verse 1. In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? So Psalm 11 starts with kind of a retort, kind of an answer. David's off, often responding right away. He's gotten some bad counsel. Now, has this come from other people or has it come from within himself where he's thinking, I got to get away. I got to get to the mountains. So many of us, when it's summer and it's hot, we want to go to the mountains. We think that's our escape. King David, though, is going there for is being told to go there either from his heart or from others for safety. But that counsel is bringing darkness. It's trying to limit David's view. 
trying to block out where the real refuge is. And David knows it, and so he deals with it right away. He's got the right priorities. He knows that that's bad counsel. There's only a refuge that can be found in the Lord. There's no safety or security really anywhere else. There are immediate escapes, sure. There's a little bit of pleasure you can have right now, okay. But there's only one lasting refuge. There's only one safe place. And he's a person. We receive a lot of bad counsel in this world. Bad counsel starts to black out reality. And we know this because there's this word we use, brainwashing. We know that sometimes so much information can come in that we can't even see reality as it exists. That's bad counsel. We hear bad counsel like this. Your marriage is hard. Ah, I see. Here's some counsel for you. Get a divorce. Have an affair. Oh, you're lonely. Yeah, here, let me give you some counsel. Just find somebody who will pay attention to you. Give you the attention you want, no matter what their intentions might be. Just, just do that. Things aren't going well for you. Here's a refuge for you. Just vote in the next election. Just vote this way, and then everything will be solved. That, that'll be your refuge. When push comes to shove, if those are mountains that we flee to, those mountains will collapse, like the side of Mount St. Helens. So take refuge in the Lord in dark times. He's a refuge in the darkness of bad counsel. He's also a refuge in the darkness of wicked people. He's a refuge in the darkness of wicked people. There are wicked people around, but he is safe. So let's read verse 2. For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. So there are wicked people in this world. Saul has now become a wicked man. He wants David dead, even though David has done nothing wrong. And it's one thing to come out and face David man to man. It's another thing to sneak around in the darkness where no one can see you, come after you. And that's what it feels like. And that's probably the reality here. Surely this is the time here in the darkness to be scared, to run away. And David hears these details, and still, he takes refuge in the Lord. There's a shelter that is stronger than any military bunker. There is something that can block arrows and bullets better than tanks. The Lord is a refuge. Now, there are wicked people in this world. Most of us know that. The news tells us that. Our experience tells us that. And there will be times where they will come after the upright or the righteous or the innocent. Our culture loves to be outraged at everything. And since we refuse to listen, and since money is made by thinking and behaving in such a way, we should expect a little more hostility in this world as Christians. We should expect more church vandalisms. We should expect more hateful comments online. We sadly should not be surprised by more church shootings. The Holy Spirit is counseling us here. 
Our refuge must be in the Lord, not a purely political or educational scheme, even though those can be helpful, not even in a church or a denomination, even though those can be helpful. Ultimately, the refuge has to be in the Lord. He's the only real refuge. Christians around the world will tell you that. People who have experienced persecution, where the legal system has collapsed, they'll tell you the Lord is still a good refuge even when there's wicked people around in the dark. So take refuge in the Lord in dark times. He's a refuge in the darkness of bad counsel and in the darkness of wicked people. Let's see also that he is a refuge in the darkness of unstable moments. When there's instability, he's a refuge in the darkness of unstable moments. Look at verse 3. Here's what people are saying. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So the counselors are saying to David, listen, David, society is collapsing. The institutions are falling apart. Law, justice, peace, the government, it's all illegitimate. The foundations of society are unstable. You're losing your freedoms. Everything is breaking. So David, since the foundations are breaking, where are you going to trust? You've got nowhere to go. There's nothing you can do. It does not make sense to be righteous anymore, David. Just assassinate the king, as David is told to do. Just play by their rules. You'll survive that way. Now, I've heard that sort of language from Christians in recent years. We live in an unstable moment. And some people say, let's beat them at their own game. Since they break the rules, let's break the rules too. That will be our refuge. Beat them at their own game. I've heard that about elections, about riots, about lying and deception. Now, what sort of refuge is that in dark times? More darkness, less stability. That's not a refuge. It gives up our confidence in the Lord as our refuge and puts it somewhere else some sort of means to an end. And that, to use the language of the Bible, is idolatry. It's trading God for something man-made. That's more darkness. And that does not bring light. Darkness plus darkness just equals more darkness. So take refuge in the Lord. Take refuge in the Lord in dark times. Now, if we're in dark times, what we need is light. And we find help for, help for that from 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him no darkness at all. That's good news. When there is darkness, we need light. And the light that's going to be most helpful is the brightest light. And that's something David is learning and knows. So if we take refuge in the Lord we should recognize that we're also taking refuge in the Lord of light. He, if there's darkness, he is light. Take refuge in the Lord of light. We need the Lord of light. What sort of refuge will he be? First, he's a refuge of light who is stable. He is stable and sturdy. A refuge of light who is stable. It's a good thing. The only good thing that happens when we recognize we're in an instable moment when things are collapsing is we recognize where we shouldn't build. 
that, that hillside's coming down with the next mudslide. Let's not build there. But here in verse 4, we're told there's something stable. Look at verse 4, the beginning of it. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. So the institutions of society might be collapsing. The wicked might be sneaking around. The counsel we're getting might be bad counsel, making things hard to understand. But the Lord of light is a stable refuge. He is in his holy temple. His throne is in heaven. Now, some of us hear that, and we think, well, that's not helpful, really, is it? Because that just means he's far away. He's in heaven. But that's not really the emphasis in the Hebrew in Psalm 11. The emphasis is not so much that the Lord is in his holy temple. It's that the Lord is in his holy temple. That the Lord is. That he's actually there. That where everything else is uh, instable, instable, instable? In, not stable, the Lord exists. Making up words here. The Lord rules. And where everything else is tempted to flee and run away, the Lord is there. He's immovable. He's stable. He can be relied on. He won't be shaken. Now, do you ever notice that everything around you, including the people we love so much, are contingent? They depend on things for their existence. The people we, even the people that we most depend on, they need Things like food and water, warmth, oxygen. If they don't get those things, that's the end. They don't exist. Their existence is contingent on something else. Our very planet is contingent. The sun holding it in orbit as we rotate around. If the sun ceases to exist, earth goes hurling through space until it crashes and is destroyed to a black hole or another sun or another planet. Everything is contingent. Everything depends on something else. It's unstable. So, and what's interesting is when things die or disappear, destroyed, we recognize some of its realness is kind of taken away. The, something's not fully there anymore. So there has to be something logically, that has an even greater level of reality that's further down at the bottom that isn't contingent on anything else, that just exists, that's solid and stable, that's more real, we might say. And that's what David is latching onto here in his refuge. The Lord is. So it's significant that when God reveals himself to Moses, he says, I am. He doesn't say, I became to be. The, the right situations occurred and therefore I came into existence or people imagined me in their minds and created me. He says, I am. I am. I exist. I've always existed. Now to have him as our refuge, that Lord of light, is to have the most stable thing in the universe and beyond. That's the one we take refuge in this morning. And when you are in darkness, you want a light. But bulbs burn out, batteries die, and the darkness returns. So we want the brightest, longest lasting light we can. We want, in the words of the 80s singer, we want an eternal flame. 
that is self-existing. We want the Lord of light. So take refuge in the Lord of light. He's a refuge whose light is stable. But what else do we learn about the Lord of light? He's a refuge whose light displays the truth. He has light, and he uses that light of himself to display the truth. Let's read verses 4 and 6, really the end of verses 4 and then through 6. His eyes see. His eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. When all is darkness, when we cannot see and are not aware of everything that's going on and the darkness is a threat, the Lord sees and he tests the righteous. That word tests there has the the meaning of assaying uh, metals. So in David's time, the way to purify metals, there's only one way to really test them. You melted it down. You melted down the gold or the silver and you saw really how much of it there was. And the Lord tests the righteous that way. That's not a gentle way always. Sometimes a painful way. It's a serious challenge. So God is a refuge whose light displays the truth and he gets all the way down to the root core reality. Is there uprightness in there? He's going to display the truth. So what does he see when he tests you? God can see the wicked. He acts. He, we're told here he's opposed to the wicked. It says here he hates them. So our understanding of God's love for people has to understand that apparently somewhere in there, there's some hatred as well. It's a hard truth. But it makes sense if God is the refuge who displays the truth. It wouldn't be loving for him to just love and tolerate people who consistently harm other people made in his image. And notice what these wicked people get. They get a portion. There's a portion given to the wicked. We might think of a portion as, uh, I think of going to the grocery store and looking at the frozen food section. There's the hungry man meals. The portions in the hungry man meal, bigger than the little, uh, what is it, lean cuisines. Big portion. God's got a portion, it says, for the wicked. Verse 6 says, raining coals and fire and sulfur. David's calling, this is the Holy Spirit, saying, bring that down on them. That's the language of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, the book of Genesis and Jude make it clear that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is sexual in nature. That can make some of us feel condemned, which shouldn't make others of us feel self-righteous, which we really shouldn't, because we all have sinned sexually in some way or another. But the prophet Ezekiel says that their sin was not only sexual in nature for Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen to Ezekiel 16, verse 49. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride excess of food and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. The sin of being comfortable, being able to help people, but choosing not to, not being generous. 
Now, I've done that. David did that. The people around you have probably done that. Have you? Jesus says that the unbelief around him is, deserves greater judgment than Sodom. So just unbelief, not believing. Coals, fire, sulfur. We need a refuge. Every single person in here needs a refuge, it seems. The good news to you this morning is that Jesus Christ is a refuge. He is a refuge this morning. In his life, Jesus called people to come to him, to take their rest in him, to find refuge in him, to trust in him. And in his life, it was clear that he is the Lord of light. Listen to what he says in John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There was no darkness in him at all. None. And he revealed things. He knew people's hearts. Could, he revealed the way life was supposed to be. He revealed what's wrong with the world. He revealed that he's the solution. That's good news. And then, at the end of his life, he received this sort of treatment. He went to the cross and received the wrath of God. He, the New Testament uses this word propitiation. He exhausted God's wrath. He was a shield for those who stood behind Jesus, who united themselves to Jesus, protecting them. He was a refuge. All because God the Father loved us, sent his son. He becomes our refuge when all we do is believe. Just turn away from those other refuges. Turn away from what you're tempted to trust in and trust in him this morning. Take shelter in him. Don't go to your mountains. Go to Jesus. He's a living refuge. In those moments when you can't sleep or you're troubled or darkness feels more spiritual than physical, he's there. You can talk to him and, he, and you can know him. You can take refuge in him daily. Take refuge in the Lord. He's the Lord of light. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other refuge this morning. God didn't have to do this for us. He didn't have to do it, but he did it anyhow because he loves us. Take refuge in him. That's grace. Take refuge in the Lord. He is, we need to take refuge in him in dark times. He's the light. His light is stable. His light displays the truth. Here's another reason from our text to take refuge in the Lord of light. He's a refuge whose light reveals himself. His light reveals himself. Look at verse 7 with me. That last verse, we'll see that he reveals himself. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. The Lord may have hatred for wicked, but he loves the righteous. And by trusting in Jesus, the wicked become the righteous. Not because of good deeds yet. He loves the righteous. And we're seen as righteous when we trust in Jesus. And that gives us power to change. God... Our God, as our refuge, is not done shining light just by revealing what's going on in us. We're told that the upright are going to behold his face. There's not just going to be the dark days of this life. There's going to be an end. We'll be with him. 
Let me show you why it's such good news that God reveals himself. If you take refuge in accumulating power, you step on people to get there, you're going to hurt people in order to get to the top, you'll realize that there's no refuge at the top. There's always people after you. It's not a safe place. If you take refuge in, let's say, uh, food, Food is a good thing, Go and, but then we think, oh, you know, I wish I could just live at Golden Corral and eat as much as we want. You go there and you eat and you eat and you, you, every time you take a bite of mashed potatoes and gravy, you feel like it's a safe place, but over time you look in the mirror and you realize, and the doctor tells you, this is not a safe place, safe way to live. So you need a refuge from that refuge. You need a diet. You need an exercise plan. Or you take refuge in work. You think, oh, my job is so satisfying and fulfilling, but then all of a sudden you're stressed. You need a refuge from your work, so you go on vacation. So you go on vacation, and it's this wonderful refuge, this great break from life. And then after a while you realize, boy, I'd like to go home. See, the refuge is always moving. You get married. Ah, oh, the spouse, he or she is my refuge. And then the light shines on them, and you realize, hmm, I don't like that about them so much. But here's the amazing thing about the Lord of light. He's perfect. So when he shines the light on himself, the more of you that you, the more of him that you see, the more you realize he's perfect. And you haven't even seen all of him yet. So there's more to see. So God shines his light. He displays his light. And he reveals, he shows his face to you. First, kind of spiritually in this life, but then physically in the life to come. Filling you to the brim with happiness so that you never have to look anywhere else for refuge. You're just there. You're safe. You're full of joy. You're full of love. And that makes you feel safe makes you rest, makes you aware of the dark times, but not afraid of them. Take refuge in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful that you are a refuge. God, we confess that we're always trying to take refuge in things in this life, and we confess the truth that they fail us. So we pray that you would send your spirit and help us take refuge in you. Lord, we, we know the things that we think will satisfy us ultimately we need saved from. So save us. Shine your light. Be the Lord of light this morning. We're thankful that in you there is no darkness at all. We're thankful that we see that at the cross we're thankful that Jesus is alive today to continue to be our light, to continue to be our refuge. And he lives to sustain us and support us and protect us. In his name we pray, amen.